I thought you were going to say the men's retreat was in Mammoth. <laughs> I was thinking, what the hell is the matter with our church? <laughs> Well, you've been how, many, how long have you been a teacher? Twelve years, man. Okay. But if I quit, I wouldn't be getting a severance package. I would just get my retirement twenty years down the road. Yeah, ideally, you'd you'd want to get fired, right? For huh. that severance? <laughs> <laughs> no, they got to give you severance. You get fired, right? Yeah, my se- it's not built up enough. Or go under some investigation, and then they have to pay you during the investigation. This doesn't sound good. I mean, it accomplishes pretty much the same thing. (laughs) It's cutting cutting the bridges going forward, though. You don't want to be a teacher anyways. (laughs) Jeez. (laughs) I hear you're a teacher. Not after tonight. (laughs) I hear you're uh, becoming a teacher. Really? Of the Bible. Where did you hear that from? From you. Who said that? I heard your message. Uh, you were talking about a, um, I don't know, some of your flock. <laughs> you have a flock, Scott. Describe. Okay. I know what is it that you, I did not use the word flock. Okay, I, I'm, I'm just but it joking. Could be a good description. Okay. So, what is it that you're doing though? You're doing something during the week, once a week, I believe. Mm-hmm. What is that? It's just a Bible study. Okay. For. For the youngins. For my flock, yeah. <laughs> my chicklets. Chicklets. <laughs> Is that at your church? I'm a mother hen. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So young adults. Early, late teens, early 20s? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It sounds like it's progressing. It Well, we meet pretty much every week. So through time, it does progress. I don't mean the time progresses. In a literal sense. Are you bringing things into the light, Scott, um, for them? So, yeah, we started with three people. Now we're down to three people. <laughs> uh, no, we actually had more. We had a fam- There's a family of four that was, was coming, but they moved to Vegas. So, man, that really... That, that affects the budget. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You, lost yeah. Tw- you lost 25% of your population. Yeah, now I only get one donut on Sundays. The congregation was decimated. <laughs> yeah. That's over 50%. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so that's once a week, young adults. Mm. Okay. They feed me, too, which is pretty cool. Donuts. No, well, I mean, full meals. Like... Like vegetables and meat, <laughs> okay, which is great because I when I cook I just cook meat. Great, it's like chicken. complex carbs. Yeah, well, yeah, beer. Is that a complex carb beer? Uh, it's probably simple. Okay, actually, it's pretty simple. Your flock of going from three to two or four to three or whatever mm-hmm. it is is making me think of. Um, something I was thinking of asking you, Mike, and that was like, what's the sign of a healthy church? Is it population? Is it people coming mm. to Christ? Wait a second. Who's Mike? Oh, Mike Fanning. Oh, Ma- Mike Fanning? <laughs> yes. Mike Fanning's here. <laughs> Why don't you introduce Mike Fanning? It's not Mike. It's not Fanning for Senate, though. So if you Google It's not it, Mick Fanning. And it's not <laughs> Mick <yeah. laughs> Okay, so I'm sure we're related somewhere. (laughs) I'm going to keep a short story short, if anybody can believe that. Uh, Last night, 
I go into Pete's Coffee and I'd never been there, but I told my wife, hey, you know what? I've never been in this coffee shop. Let's go past Starbucks and uh, I'll get a coffee there. And I have no idea why I wanted to go there because I don't go there. And I walk in and I see a friend that I, well, an acquaintance um, that I know through um, a friend of mine. And he yeah, what if this gets out and he's like, no, we're not really friends. <laughs> That's kind That's of what Jeff he said later. <laughs> <laughs> and he, and so he immediately introduces Mike, Mike Fanning, and says, Mike is, is planting a church in 12 days. And I immediately just stop in my tracks. And I'm like, this is why. I was drawn to this coffee shop because it sure wasn't for the coffee. Sorry, Pete. Jeff, can I can I ask you a question? Yes. Did you feel that God was leading you to that coffee shop? I did. Oh, all right. Looking as I have no idea why I wanted to go there, but I'm I'm fairly certain. So additionally, my friend and I meet frequently, but we've never met in the evening. That's the only time oh my ever. Gosh. That we've met. I mean, we've had dinner as families, but we've never said, hey, let's have coffee at 6 o'clock. It's always like at noon or 1 or 2. So that was really unique. And so as so you might be right, Jeff, <laughs> that sounds that's almost scientific proof for your thesis. <laughs> almost. Of, I've got well, this. as he's telling me this, I'm getting goosebumps. And I'm telling this, I'm like, man, I got goosebumps uh, just that I'm running into you guys and you're you're going to plant a church and... It's right around the corner, and we're running each other. And I'm thinking this past week, man, we really could use a guest, and we really need a guest for this week. And I'm like, there's the crossroads right there. And uh, so now we have Mike Fanning here. 11 days and counting. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> man, 11. 11. That's oh, just. my favorite number. <laughs> we, won't, we won't go into that. We're, we're going to have to hit on that next time. Uh, so so there's a handbook out there that's how to plan a church in 12 days. Is that what you guys are following? <laughs> Hopefully not. <laughs> we, we did receive some training, but it was a lot longer than uh, 12 days uh, to put into it. So... We're with a group called ARC, which is the Association of Related Churches. They're about 15 years old, and they have planted over 600 churches in the last 15 years. So last year, I think they did 74 or something like that. Wow. And they have a a really high success rate with churches lasting and, um, you know, achieving a certain size and uh, being there five years later. Uh, much higher than your average church plant. So that was one of the reasons we went with them. So are you, will you be the lead pastor? Yep. Yeah. So right now I'm the lead pastor. I'm the janitor. Um, everything. <laughs> yeah. <I like> it. <laughs> so we were building, building stuff in the driveway today and like everything. So yeah, cool. All right. Well, I think we'll get back to the church itself. How did you grow up? I like to ask, what version of God did you grow up under? Was it the same as today, or was there were there shifts mm. along the way? What, kind of what you can briefly tell your story. Okay, so um, as a little kid, my parents were really involved in a Baptist church in the Inland Empire, and we were there every time the doors were open. Loved it, and when I was about uh, eight years old, 
my parents got divorced. And back then that was in 77. So I'm dating myself. And, um, back then the church didn't, at least our church didn't handle divorce real well. So they both just stopped going. So I stopped going. Uh, I never stopped believing, um, but I stopped going. I would, would have definitely called myself a Christian, but I didn't really grow up in church from that point on until my later teen years when my mom, uh, returned to the church. So, uh, I definitely had a Christian worldview, um, but I, you know, lived just like anybody else in high school and junior high and later years in elementary school, got in a little bit of trouble. And so <laughs> there's um, a little twinkle in his eye for, <laughs> for the listener. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, when I was 19, a uh, couple friends, actually, let me back up. I moved in with my, I grew up with my dad and my mom and she said, you can pay rent or you can go to church once a month. At this point, she had returned to church and she was going to a vineyard church in Ontario, California, not too far from the airport. And, um, so I said, churches for me, I'll be there once a month. <laughs> and, um, so I would show up tired, you know, Sunday morning, um, you know, maybe hungover, a maybe little bit. a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> and so I met, met some people. I actually uh, met a girl and a couple friends I, I went to high school with and started going every week after that. They talked me into going to on a men's retreat. And so the weekend before I'm at mammoth with all my friends, cause I, I, I grew up with the same guys from preschool through high school. So, you know, they were like family. So I was with them in mammoth partying the whole weekend, the next weekend, we're at a men's retreat up in Crestline. Oh, I thought you were, were going to say the men's retreat was in Mammoth. <laughs> I was thinking, what the hell's the matter with our church? <laughs> no, it was at Running Springs or something like okay. that. So, so you're, the, the girl you met, did how much of a role was that in you going to the men's retreat and all that? Was that... Actually, she was... Um, a role in me attending church every week for a while. Right. And then I connected with some of the guys, one of the guys I played baseball with in high school. We started going to the gym and hanging out. And then he and another guy talked me into going to the men's retreat. Okay, nice. And so by the time the men's retreat came around, I had stopped um, spending time with that girl. Okay. Do you remember anything from the men's retreat? Yes. Yeah. Anything specific? So, um, you know, the Vineyard Church, if you don't know much about the Vineyard, they're very much charismatic and um, move in the gifts of the Holy Spirit, um, you know, as far as hearing from God and then giving a word to someone. So the first night, we're 30 minutes in, and the pastor stops everything and says, we need to pray for five people right now. Oh, no. Okay. At that moment. Where you're like, it's going to be me, crap. It's going to be, I know it's going to be me. That's exactly what I was thinking. My heart was beating like a thousand miles an hour. And I knew he knew my name because of my mom, but I didn't really know him. And um, he said, I don't remember the other four names, but one of the names was was me. And um, so I stood up and um, I don't know if you've ever been prayed for where guys just kind of gather around you, put their hand on your shoulder uh, called the laying on of hands. So they just kind of. Uh, put their hands on my shoulder or whatever and started praying for me. And it felt like a thousand volts of electricity hit me and nobody was really saying anything, 
they were just inviting the Lord to move in my life. No tongues? No tongues. I don't know. I don't remember. Um, and this one pastor um, who later I became close to just started asking, are you ready? Are you ready? Are you ready? And I'm sitting there, you know, I don't know if I was physically shaking, but on the inside I was shaking because of, I just felt this electricity in my body. And I said, yes, you know, I'm definitely ready. And so from that moment, that was January 19th, 1989. He's got the date. Everything changed that moment. <laughs> so I was going to ask, ask you if anything profound happened to you in, in life. I guess it was in 1989 <laughs> that was january that was 19th. one of the, That's the awesome. first ones uh, right so bet it wasn't january 11th <laughs> yeah, yeah i don't know november anything 11th. about january 11th all i know is the 19th <laughs> no, 11th is, is 11th jeff's number something we'll, funky's we'll, going on but that's we'll another story later. <laughs> yeah. that's a can of worms i'm sure <laughs> i remember actually i had a i did, it wasn't on a retreat but there was this traveling group that came to ocean hills church in san juan capistrano no way. when i was in high school and it, i don't remember the group I, I don't know that i would want to name it now anyway but very charismatic and i mean people running up and down the aisles during the music jumping around flailing hands uh, I don't think they were doing that okay. so <laughs> on my retreat maybe th- this was taking charismatic up another level i guess but I remember when they were sending the kids that were part of this group out into the audience, a similar experience where like your pa- the pastor said, uh, five people are going to pray for five people. It was just in general, if you need prayer, you know, our people are coming down. If you need prayer, and I just knew this kid that was walking down the aisle towards me, I was sitting close to the back. This kid is going to, I know it, he's going to come and pray for me. I didn't get the bolt of lightning. I wish I did because I was probably doing stuff. I was probably living my life poorly at the time, more poorly than now, dare I say. (laughs) But uh, it was around my high school years, and this kid comes up and just starts babbling in my ear. It it literally sounded like gibberish to me. He was praying. I'll give him the benefit of the doubt and assume he was praying in tongues. But looking back, personally, I I think he was kind of doing what he'd been taught, and there was a lot of, like, just repeated gibberish words that meant nothing to me. And I remember leaving like a little bit confused and eh, not angry, but it's like, really? You just didn't receive it. I, I guess not. My faith was <laughs> too small, but you weren't ready. that, that aside, I remember that exact feeling of, Oh crap. I have to get personal here. Somebody's going to come talk to me. Continue your story. Yeah. <laughs> so no real point to that. Uh, shortly after that, I went on a, a mission trip to Romania back when it was still a communist country. And so I was 19 years old and it was really cool. It was like being in a spy movie, you know, smuggling Bibles in being followed by the KGB and uh, for real, for real. (laughs) And they probably had like a lot of ground rules that you had to follow. Like you had to be super careful about stuff. Yeah. When we entered the country, they assigned us our government tour guide that got on the bus and stayed with us the whole time. And then, so during the day we had to do fake tourism and then at night we would sneak out to the underground church and, um, the leaders, I was, you know, I wasn't one of the leaders at that point, uh, had to memorize where we're going because they couldn't get caught with a map. And so we're in some foreign country in the dark, half the streets don't even have names. We're wandering around. It was really exciting as you can imagine at 19, 
now at 47, it might be not as exciting. <laughs> but, um, so yeah, so on That's that cool. trip, that trip was significant because that was a trip where I really felt like God called me to go into the ministry full time and someday plant a church. I didn't know it'd be this long um, to actually plant a church. And there's a lot of stories in between there, but um, it was on that trip that I mentally changed from being a business major, you know, going to take over my dad's business to um, a ministry major and eventually changed colleges. And you went to, you went to hope, went to hope back then it was called PCC Pacific Mm -hmm. Christian college. And I think the year I graduated, they changed to Hope, Hope International University. Nice. Yeah. So I went there and a friend of mine um, introduced me to Jim Glenn, who used to be at Ocean Hills. I don't know if you remember I remember Jim. him. Yes. Yeah. So I'm good friends with Jim Glenn. And uh, when I graduated from Hope, I was on the, the long program. So I graduated in 96. So by then I was like 27 or so. I had a couple kids and... Um, so when I graduated from there, we started commuting to San Clemente from Brea um, to be part of House to House Christian Fellowship that Jim Glenn had started, and he was planting churches. And so that was my goal. Hey, this guy's doing it. I want to learn from him. And so that's why we started driving to San Clemente. I'm I'm curious as to so you're planting a church days you're days away from this happening. At what point did you? say to yourself, or was this in prayer or Mm. just in conversation that you're like this, it's the right time, or I've Mm -hmm. been called to this, or I'm, I'm taking a leap of faith. I mean, how did this come to be? Well, real quick. Oh, sorry. I want to interrupt because by the time this comes out, the church might have been planted. So Mike, how'd that go? (laughs) (laughs) It went awesome. (laughs) Hopefully it didn't rain either. (laughs) Oh, it didn't. It was perfect weather. It was weather. perfect weather on January, yeah, January 15th. All right. Now you can answer Jeff's question if you remember it. Sorry. All right. So when did I know or how did I know? Something like when that. When did they come to be? Yeah. So interesting enough, you know, I mentioned I started driving down to house to house. So we were almost, so I was selling roofing tile. I was working as a roofing tile manufacturer. So like the tile that's on this house that we're in. Um and I almost quit my job to uh, plant a church through House to House Christian Fellowship in 1998. And uh, then I just did not have peace about it. And I called Jim one day about two weeks before we were supposed to pull the trigger. Said, I don't think this is the right time. And he said, good, I don't either. Wow. <laughs> so, so then I was kind of in limbo, uh, but it was always kind of there. So fast forward to, let's see, 2015. It's it's really coming to the surface. Like now's the time. Like I'm not getting any younger. Yeah, I don't feel like um, until I do this, you know, like that's the next step for me to really grow. And more importantly, I felt like that was something that that I was called to do to be obedient and to walk into everything God had for me. So I prayed about it. A lot of people had um, encouraging words. Strangers would come up and say, you know, I see God doing this Mm, in your life. And so then I uh, approached Roger Gales, who's the senior pastor at Heritage, and said, you know, I think now's the time. Will you pray about it? And about a month later, he came back and said, you know what? I think it is time. Let's let's come up with a plan. Wow. Did he always know that you were going to you were going to walk into that at some point? 
Yes and no. Um, so as I mentioned, house to house Christian fellowship planted churches unsuccessfully, unfortunately, uh, if you measure success by, did they last? Did they exist? <laughs> do, do they, they don't <laughs> exist anymore. So one of them came back into, um, the mothership and then the other one, um, just kind of dissolved. Um, so Roger was one of those plants. And so we were all part of this together. We knew it was part of our vision at heritage. Eventually house to house became heritage Christian fellowship. Um, but it had been so long, everybody just kind of forgot about it, you know? So yeah, it it was definitely like a long limbo of, (laughs) is this ever going to happen? I'm okay if it doesn't happen because I don't know if you know a lot about church planting, but uh, it's, it's a lot right. of work <laughs> and it doesn't, um, you know, I don't know what percentage of churches make it, but it used to be like 10% are successful in the long run. Think- Slightly better percentage than restaurants, maybe. Maybe. <laughs> so thankfully through... Um, just church planting organizations over the years, that number has gone up significantly. I'm sure it's over 50% now. Um, and the group that I'm with, it's over 90%. And so, um, that is encouraging for sure. But you know, it's one of those things where, you know, basically the other guys that are part of this group said, Hey, first, my first advice is don't do it. If if there's any way you can avoid doing this, don't do it. Um, but if there's Thanks. not, yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> this is the hardest thing. You're crazy. What are you thinking? Um, but, you know, I knew, and I could share some of the reasons how I knew, but um, I knew this was Can something. you give us just a taste? Yeah. Maybe a, a top reason. Yeah. So um, the top reason, and it, this also ties into the name. The name of our church is Hillside Church. Um, so the top reason is uh, back in, I don't know the exact year, unlike my 1989 story. This is probably 2006 or something like that. Um, I had been working full-time at Heritage for about three years, and I was really considering throwing in the towel, going back to my sales career, made a lot more money. It was a lot fewer hours, you know, and I just thought, you know, I gave it a shot, Now I'm going to go back to uh, doing something else. And so about that time, I had a dream. And um, in the dream, I I had gone back to my career as a sales rep, and um, I was driving up to the office. I'd worked for a few different companies, but they were all in the same location generally. And it was, you know, dreams are weird, so it wasn't exactly one of them. But I, I thought, wow, I did it, you know, and I wasn't sad about that. I just thought, okay, you know, here's the next season. And, um, thankfully uh, they always gave me a company truck. So in the dream, I'm thinking, I wonder what kind of truck they're going to give me. You know, (laughs) I loved having company trucks. And, um, so in the dream, I'm standing on the steps of the sales office and I'm looking out and then God kind of takes me in the dream from there down to a little Valley with some rolling Hills. And he clearly speaks like this is one of the times where he spoke so clear in my dream. It was kind of like an internal audible voice. He said, but what about all the people? And then I woke up and I knew instantly that he had an assignment for me to reach some people. That if I quit, I wouldn't reach or he wouldn't reach through us. 
And so um, later that week, a uh, former coworker gave me a call and said, hey, do you want your old job back? <laughs> I'm not kidding. I hadn't talked to this guy in a year. Oh my <laughs> and I, of course, I said no instantly. But had I not had that dream, I would have said yes. Wow. For sure. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And so, um, and as you know, construction in California was not great <laughs> shortly after that uh, with the recession and all that. So that would have yeah. been another story. But um so for that reason, so interest, fast forward to 2000, what was last year, 16, um, my friend who uh, you met or met me with last night um, and I were meeting with your friend, Jeff's acquaintance, Jeff's acquaintance, <laughs> my very close friend. Well, Lon Wayland. <laughs> he's a realtor. You should call him. He's a great realtor. Um, anyways, Lon and I were meeting with J. Sarah Catholic High School, which is where our church is going to meet. And uh, we got done with our meeting and went really well. Uh, we love those people. They're opening up their arms to us. And um, we're really grateful for them. So we came out of the meeting. I looked up. And the hills around J. Sarah are the hills from the dream that I had. And I said, that's it. The name's going to be Hillside. Like, Mm. this is where we're we're doing this. So, yeah, that was really. So there's been a series of events like that. Like, you know, um, I'm giving you the uh, the highlights, but there definitely were valleys in between where, you know, like, I don't know if this is going to work. But God met us at each of those valleys maybe a little bit later than we had hoped, <laughs> but, um, yeah, I was going to ask about that. So yeah. from the time of, let's say first calling till today, how it's long? a long time, it, 1989. So do the math. I can't 27 uh, years, 27 years. <laughs> almost. I mean, it was like in May on that missions trip. So in May will be 27 so years, 27 years until I, I call it fruition, I guess, but yeah. yeah, that's wow. And sometimes that's how God works. You know, he'll say, hey, I want you to do this. He just doesn't tell you, you know, it's 10 years from now or 15 years from now. Yeah. Do you think yeah. there's been significant things that God's prepared you for this church plant over the years? Absolutely. That's a great question. So if you you know rewind to 1998, when I told Jim Glenn from Ocean Hills um, at Heritage, I told him, you know, I don't think I should do this right now. That was the right move. Had I done it then, uh, I'm sure, almost certain, it would have flopped. I wasn't ready. Uh, I went through some things personally that were really difficult after that, um, so I for sure would have quit. Um, and so, thankfully... Anything you want to mention uh, on the personal end that might shed some light? So you guys want me with? to get... Uh, Zach, not us. Zach does, though, but Zach, I'll listen. Zach. Yeah. So... <laughs> The most difficult thing um, that I went through, and I've shared this a little bit, but not I don't share it all the time. I usually share it one-on-one, but um, I was experiencing, uh, I like to call it, it's kind of like highs and lows. So one day I would have an extreme, almost euphoric high. The next day I was having, I would have like a depression. So not just spiritual, it was like your actual experience of life. Like yes. your, your demeanor and, and how you were yeah. living your life. And it got so bad, it was debilitating. And so um, so I went through that in the early 2000s, 
before I went on staff full-time at Heritage. And um, eventually, I, I paid a lot of money to have a brain scan done to make sure that I wasn't like bipolar or something. And thankfully, I wasn't. Um, but one of the things that they told me was, um, hey, you've got increased blood flow in this area. I want you to um, eat more protein, exercise, and stop um, caffeine or any sort of stimulant. So, um, That's a, yeah, find a new doctor. Yeah. It's terrible. <laughs> Thankfully, I was never like a, a coffee every day guy, but I did drink a lot of Diet Coke, ate a lot of chocolate, you know, those types of things that have caffeine. And so I followed their instructions and it was life changing. Oh, wow. It went wow. from being debilitating to every once in a while it'll still happen, but not near as bad. And um, it's manageable. And so, um, you know, I'll still have days where I feel like a little euphoric and days where I feel like a little down. But like sure. before, um, I, there's no way I could have done what I've done over the last, you know, 15 years without making those changes. So that was significant. Yeah. Wow. That. So it was like a regular medical doctor. Was it a medical doctor? Like yeah, a specialist? his name's Dr. Amen, A-M-E-N. He has a clinic in Newport Beach. I'm sorry. Say that again. So it could be Amen <laughs> or Amen. And he wrote a book called, um, I don't know, like Change Your Brain, Change Your Life or something like that. Oh, I know that book. So he's, of course, he's in Newport. He's... He's almost a celebrity, I think. Yeah, I think he is. Yeah. And so he um, figured out this way to inject you with radioactive isotopes, and then they study the blood flow in your brain. And so that's what I did. And his prescription for you was nutritional. So I never met him. Okay. Um, But the person who did the... um, what's It's not an interview, but, you know, your outgoing interview when yeah. after so the consultation afterwards that i don't even know if it was a doctor but that's what the person told me uh hey good thing you're not bipolar your the blood flow in your brain looks healthy but you have increased blood flow in these certain areas so here's what we recommend and it really was fascinating and it was all nutritional no pharmaceuticals and exercise no pharmaceuticals that is yeah. re- and that was 15 13 years ago it was revolutionary yeah i i think it was 2000 I feel like most doctors, it's still this here, take this drug for your band to put a band aid on the symptoms as opposed to trying to get behind whatever's going on. And I tried that for six months or something like that. And it, you know, they're just guessing by giving you a bunch of different drugs and see if this helps. And they tell you, yeah. And none of it helped. And it it just made me feel worse. So I was really grateful for a lot uh, of medical conditions can be either managed or. Uh, eliminated. eliminated with diet and or exercise. Yeah. It's like a lot of people with diabetes, you go on a, you, you lose weight, diabetes gone. It's I true. like how you just said diabetes. Diabetes. <laughs> you, ha- you have high blood pressure, you lose some weight, eat less salt, high blood pressure gone. For yeah, the salt thing is going away too, I think. A lot of people. So it would be the maybe the salt to potassium maybe. ratio. It's probably complex. Um, yeah, but a lot of conditions. But yeah, like you said, Zach, it's a lot of medications are treating symptoms, not not the underlying conditions. So and then you create more symptoms and there's more medication. Because yeah, they could have easily said, uh, hey, take this 
you know, it's not bipolar medication, but it has similar effects. Take this, come back, I'll write you another prescription, mm. and kept you on that, which probably happens a lot. Mm-hmm. But telling someone diet and exercise, um, I mean, they, they don't make any money off of that, which is... They don't. Yeah, which is no, cool. That was huge. That was huge. You're welcome, Internet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. so, so for me, let me just take it. So since then. Um, wait, a, wait a second. Can I ask you the question again and just yeah. what prepared you? And you just say, no chocolate. I stopped drinking Diet Coke. And then I was ready to plant a church. No, I'm <laughs> there you go. No, go That's go exactly ahead. what happened. <laughs> no. So then I was ready to. So in 2003, I went on staff full time at Heritage and I had a lot to learn. Um, you know, obviously, um, there are challenges. So how long has that been? 2003, 13 years. Don't ask oh, Scott. Don't ask Scott. I he already no told idea me what year it is right now. Uh, so yeah, 13 years full time on staff at Heritage. I learned a lot. So one thing I knew when I felt the calling back in 1989 was, um, I didn't know what I was doing. Like, I'm really new to this whole thing. I I wasn't in the church from the time I was eight to the time I was 19. And so, and I'm still 19 at this point. You know, I don't know what to do. I want to do this. It seems really important and like a great thing to do, but I have no idea what to do. And Bible college taught me a lot, but it doesn't teach you the same types of things that um, pastoring in a church does. So thankfully, you know, I wanted to be an associate pastor for a number of years first, and I had that opportunity. And probably having those people who, I mean, the difference between college and being in that environment is that you got people who are engaging in conversation with you and right encouraging you and <laughs> lifting you up and yeah. <laughs> actually sitting down with you and discussing the tough parts of life. And- right. It's not always that way, but yeah. That's right. good. So over that, yeah, over the last 13 years, um, man, God has taught me so much. Um, and so thankfully I feel like through those lessons, there's, I have something to bring to the table now. Um, I've been through a lot of, you know, different crises. A little bit of seasoning. Definitely. <laughs> you know, gotten the call from people in the middle of the night when their kid OD'd and you know, done weddings and, um, you know, one of the things I don't, I don't know if you guys know, but, um, one of the areas that I've really focused on and done a lot of training in is healing, supernatural healing, not just, I love medical doctors, but not through that. And so, um, seeing some, some pretty cool, uh, miracles and God healing some people. So that's one of my passions for sure. Um, so. Again, I got to ask you for an example. Okay. Blow our heads clean off right now. <laughs> clean off. <laughs> How about I tell you a story that I didn't actually pray for someone that somebody else did? Is Were that okay? you there? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Then as long as you're there, go so, for it. So <laughs> uh, in 2000, I'm, I think it was 2008, maybe 2009, my youngest son, so I have three sons, one's 22, one's 20, and one's 15. My youngest son was um, having seizures every three weeks, and he had been to a number of doctors, um, and they had said, hey, here's why he's having seizures, and they were right. Once they did the rest of the test, it it proved their theory, and most likely he'll have these for the rest of his life. You're just going to have to deal with them. So we got on the medication. Seizures continued. 
every three weeks continually for a couple of years. So we had a guest prophet at Heritage. Um, so that's a guy who has the gift of prophecy and is this guy was actually in what I would call the office of a prophet. And um, can you define? I'm sure people would describe the gift of prophecy in different ways. Can you mm-hmm. define what that was for this guy? Yeah. So um, the gift of prophecy. So prophecy, some people don't believe it's for today, but every believer can actually hear from God and then speak what they hear from God to someone else for the encouraging, the equipping, the edification of others. That's what it says in first Corinthians 14. So prophecy is to build up the body of Christ. So you hear from God, you share it with others. Sometimes it's about the future. Sometimes it's about something that's going on in your life right now. Um, and sometimes it's a word of knowledge, which would just be supernatural, um, uh, receiving information supernaturally, like not because I knew you, but because God spoke it to me about a situation that you're going in. So this guy had a mix of a supernatural word of knowledge for me um, because he didn't know me at all. And then um, a prophetic word regarding the future. So foretelling what was going to happen. Um, So you can speak into a situation and call it forth. And you can also um, speak about the future. And so, and there's a difference between Old Testament prophecy, New Testament prophecy. If we had time, we could go into it. I've it's studied a, a lot. Worms, yeah, I'm it's sure. a huge can of worms. Uh, but there are some really good books out there. Um, Chris Valentin has some really good stuff on that from Bethel Church in Reading. What, uh, give me a book. Uh, he has Basic Training for the Prophetic, is a All really right. good book. That'll um, be in the show notes. And then also, Kathy Greer is going to be coming out with a uh, book. Oh, you know what? I forget the name of it, so I'll have to get back to you on that. So anyway, he picks me out of the audience. So uh, we don't do this very often at Heritage, but we had this guest, and we tried it out, and he spoke and gave a message. And then at the end of his message, he goes, well, let's practice right now. We're just going to pick out some people, and I'll give them a prophetic word right in front of the whole church, recorded and everything. And let me just say, he was not 100% accurate. Um, There were some people there that you probably know, you know, friends of friends, that he wasn't accurate. And maybe he was, and then they just didn't receive it, so it didn't come to pass. But um, not everything he said happened. But for me... They had faith like me, Jeff. That's what Jeff was thinking. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. That's exactly what I was thinking. (laughs) Didn't receive it. Um, I mean, even Jesus was shut down in Nazareth because they didn't receive him, right? And so uh, (laughs) that's what it says anyway. It sounds like you're off the hook, Zach. (laughs) Thank you. Um, So for me, you know, he calls me out and he starts talking about us. And um, my wife was, was next to me and... I don't remember a lot of what he said, but I do have it written down somewhere. I could look it up. But then he got to my sons. He goes, one of your sons desperately needs a touch from God. Like there's something in his, like a a physical miracle. And you're going to see God's miracle hand on that child in your lifetime. So it didn't say specifically when. Right. But that was, I think it was in July. And from that day... He never had another seizure, not one. And he was having one every three weeks. He was weeks. having one every three weeks for a couple of years. And so we, um, he was on the medication. So we received it in faith, but we kept him on the medication. And then we slowly weaned him off. You know, you have to go, 
I think it's 18 months or two years without a seizure before they recommend you wean off. And so he's been off of the medication for, you know, more than five years now and, uh, seizure free. And so obviously life changing for him, but man, as a parent, when you see your kid having seizures every three weeks and then to have that taken away, that'll give you a passion for healing. And so I'm like, man, how do I learn about this and grow in yeah. this? Yeah. I both, I have two daughters, seven and nine, and both of them have had febrile seizures. Mm. So when they're three to five or uh, like 18, Aubrey was 18 or 20 months. And then Gwen was four or five when she had it. And it just happened once. So different condition, obviously, than your son. But seeing seizures, that is is something I never want to see ever again. I mean, thank God it was just, for for our case, it was just something that's pretty common. And even from Aubrey when she had it years ago, it, and then when Gwen had it just a couple years ago, their knowledge about him was so much different than it was when Aubrey had it. So, and it, it's like, well, it happens all the time. It's just, it's fine. But that experience, just thinking about it right now, it's just like chilling. And for you Mm. every three weeks, you said every three, it was like clockwork. It was like a ticking bomb, you know, like it's, Almost three weeks. Oh, my God. Keep your eye on him. You know, when we would take him to Sunday school, we'd leave a note like, hey, it's been like almost three weeks. Keep an eye on him. Call us if there's a problem. He almost drowned once. Uh, He had a seizure when he was in a lake with my my brother-in-law, and my brother-in-law pulled him up out of the lake. Um, So, yeah, that that was gnarly. So I started pressing in and learning more about healing. I've prayed for hundreds and hundreds of people, maybe probably more than a thousand. And, um, the majority of them have not been healed, but more than a couple hundred have been healed. Um, and so, you know, it comes in ebbs and flows. Like I won't see anybody healed for a hundred in a row and then I'll see five out of six and then nothing for a while. You know, it's like, um, I mean, there's a lot of theology that you could get into and a lot of practical things you could get into, but, um, you know, it's kind of a a painful love in my life. Cause it's frustrating when you pray for a bunch of people that don't yeah. get healed. You know, the person comes up in the wheelchair and they hear you're the guy and yeah. oh, then wow. they leave in the wheelchair the same way. Um, that's, you know, really sad and frustrating. And yeah. even guys who are really well known experience that, you know, like if you have a 20% success rate, that's amazing. You know, 5% and you're starting to get really well known. Well, yeah, because I, man, I'm not going to lie. I got, there's like a million ways we could go down that rabbit hole, mm. which we're not going to do now. That that would be another interesting podcast topic. Mm. But uh, I have, I do have like a lot of questions, like skeptical questions when it mm. comes to that type of stuff. So did I. And it's weird. It's not even like, um, it's not even like I don't think it can't happen or that you shouldn't ask for healing um, but I, I don't know, maybe I've just seen too many people that I feel like are doing parlor tricks as opposed to, there's definitely some of that, the real deal. And yeah, it's, I definitely appreciate it to hear somebody like you where you just kind of acknowledge like not getting it right. It doesn't happen sometimes not getting it right. Probably being the wrong phrase, but it doesn't happen sometimes. Right. And 
or acknowledging the parlor tricks that are kind of in the quote industry, but mm. that's, um, I'm glad your son is not having seizures. How about that? Yeah, that's amazing. So, <laughs> I yeah, we said, you we've seen some really that? cool stuff. Uh, you know, people getting healed of cancer. People, I believe you. Yeah, getting that you. stuff. Yeah, I mean, it's obviously it's my son. Um, I have some more stories, but we'll we'll share. Yeah, before we another get to those, time. Have, yeah. has there been a time where someone's come up and they said they want healing, and you're like, dude, you're you, you need to lose some weight, or what's up with that? <laughs> Um, your knee hurts because you're Scott's asking for a friend. You know, part of my pastoral <laughs> gifting is, um, you know, usually I'm like the nice guy, so I probably wouldn't do that. Well, not but, saying that um, loud, obviously. You know, Come on, I'm internally, not a, I'm not a monster. internally sure. You know, internally sure, but um, I do know guys who would probably verbalize that. <laughs> so, yeah, um, I think. I'm going to say one last thing on healing and we can move on to whatever you want. But um, for me, just coming to the conclusion that not only can God heal, but he does heal. And that this was a big one and not everyone agrees with this. And I'm okay with, you know, we can still be friends if you don't agree with this. We can go to the same church and all that. But um, that his general will is healing. So when I came to that conclusion, it shifted everything because instead of coming to somebody saying, I don't know if it's God's will to heal you today, I'm I'm just assuming like, okay, Jesus healed everyone he prayed for and he was the exact representation of the Father. So I'm just going to try and do what Jesus told us to do and pray for this person and see what happens. And sometimes they don't get healed because I don't have the faith for it. Sometimes they don't get healed because I don't know why. I mean... You know, a lot of times you have no idea why, um, but I just go at it from that perspective and it makes a difference. I, uh, I like that. And this is, I don't know if it's devil's advocacy, not regarding that directly, but I guess a little bit, but I, I always have this thought when people are talking about healing and I've heard that talked about God's general will is for healing. And I actually don't have a problem with that at all, but. Where is the, given that this life is full of, you know, highs and lows and there is suffering and eventually we grow old and die, mm-hmm. um, where is that line between like try, trying to pray God's kingdom over somebody's life and, and this is definitely an honest question that yeah. I, I'm a constantly wrestling with, where's that line between um, praying for somebody to be healing, it's before their time, quote unquote, or whatever language you put to that. And then, well, she's 85 and she's um, dying of, quote, natural causes, which is usually right. cancer or heart disease or something that we consider natural because they're just old enough. So where's that line of That's a good where question. It shifts? So do I believe that, you know, if you have enough faith, you're just going to live forever physically on this earth? No, <laughs> I don't believe that. You know, the Bible talks about it's appointed for man once to die. Right. And then to face judgment. And everyone dies um, except for, you know, a couple of people in the Bible right, that right. Uh, didn't. Um, so when I look at it, for example, my mom right now um, has been battling cancer for since we've known since 2007. So it's been a long time. Um, and I think God has definitely extended her years. I don't know if she'll die of cancer, but right now she's 
Hopefully mom doesn't hear this. I love you, mom. She's got some memory issues um, and her memory issues are now. She won't remember you said that. (laughs) Her memory issues are greater than her cancer. And so my prayer for her, like, you know, I don't know how much longer she has, if she has a year or five years or 10 years, you know. Um, so I, I just pray, Lord, I pray she'd have a good quality of life the rest of her days, you know, and, and for me, that's that her memory wouldn't decrease. Um, thankfully she's not on chemo right now, though she has been for most of that time. And so, um, I don't know if that answers your question, but I think, um, you know, just discerning kind of what God's saying, especially when you, when you're dealing with older people, although I have seen some pretty incredible healings with older people. Yeah. Um, like I, I was blown away, but, um, you know, eventually we're all, I've, I've gone to, um, pray for a guy in our church, amazing guy. Um, and he was a faithful servant and he had COPD and he, man, he was dying. You could tell. And he was at his house and I, and I prayed for him and I, his name was Dick and I prayed for him and just said, Dick, I feel like the Lord saying, you know, like, it's okay. You can go. And he died like an hour later, you know, after we, after I prayed for him, it wasn't really conscious. Mm-hmm. We weren't talking. Interesting. But, um, so I think obviously yeah, don't take it too far to mean I think you're never going to die. So so are you encouraging us to have you pray for us or not to have you pray for us? Well, you know, it's up to you. <laughs> Only like 1% die afterwards. No, yeah. I'm kidding. <laughs> Uh, statistically good. It's statistically a 99.9% chance you're not going to die. Well, that's fine. I mean, there's, I, I don't know that there is a right answer. There's no, I don't think there's an answer you could have given that, well, first of all, would have satisfied me to a hundred percent. But I mean, it's just one of those things that I think I'm going to wrestle with forever. And I don't could think be. that's a bad thing necessarily, but it, it is just something that pops into my head. Yeah. We've all got those questions. Yeah. Today I was listening to your a sermon that you had given on the good life. Mm. And it was, I don't know, a year when and a When was that? Okay, a year and a half ago, because right. it's not sounding familiar at the it moment. On, it was, it, you, you focused on Luke. Okay. And you were talking about Peter and throwing his net out and um, just following. Yeah. You know, just, you've been, you've been told, you've been called mm. to, to, you know, follow. Um, and I'm wondering, uh, do you feel like you're, you're living the good life and are you Mm. following faithfully? And is this church plan a part of that? Yeah, that's, that's a great question. Thank you. Um, yeah, I wouldn't trade what I'm doing right now for anything because I feel like this is what God's assignment is for me right now. And, um, yeah, it's a lot of work and it's a huge risk, you know, to quit your job at an established church and then go out and step out in faith and just believe that God's going to start something new and you're going to be able to pay your bills and support your wife and kids and, and all that. Um, so it's a huge risk, but, um, we're look, you know, we, we see the potential for what God can do. And just the vision that he's put in our hearts, I could talk a little bit about that. 
but um, it's worth the risk and it's worth the late nights and the, the long hours. And eventually, once we're going, it'll stabilize, you know, I believe, and get more similar to uh, my experience at, at, for the last 13 years at Heritage. But um, to get it started, you know, it's a lot like opening a restaurant. We're doing a grand opening. It's not a soft start. So we're trying to, you know, get everything in line and, and do a big, big splash. Does that answer? It does. And it makes okay. me think when, you know, he, he tells Peter, go, go cast that net. And, and then eventually it's now go and capture men, Yeah, you know, and you are going into this church plant and women and women. I'm not it's, capturing anybody though, no, just to be clear. What are you starting here? What the hell's going on? All right, guys. All right. Let's not get sophomoric. Uh, and so it's, it's what you're doing. I mean, you're, mm. you're, you're living that life and going into this church plant. And, and even though it's taken 27 years, you knew you were called to it. And so yeah. that, that day is, has come. And I think that's an awesome, awesome thing is, which is why when I ran into you, you know, less than 24 hours ago, I, I got goosebumps. I'm yeah. like, this is an, this is an amazing moment. Um, not only for Christ's people, but for for you and for mm-hmm. those your family, and just to step into that, it's you're you're literally as I listened to that um, sermon that you gave a mm-hmm. year and a half ago, you talked about surrendering, just mm-hmm. surrender it all, give yeah. it all up, and go and follow. Mm-hmm. And I get goosebumps right now thinking about it. I'm like, you're one of those men that's doing that, and I think it's an amazing. I think it's an amazing thing to surrender and jump mm. um, with God next to you and know that it's going to be okay, even though it's not worry-free. Yeah, yeah. You know, I would, I'm would. i definitely surrendering to a degree, and I'm trying to grow in that as much as I can, you know. Um, we're all on the journey. Yeah. But um, that's definitely where it's at, you know, living a life that's fully surrendered to the Lord and as far as reaching new people, um, you know, I've said many times that if we're not going to reach some new people, let's just stay home or go to a different church. Right. We don't need to just transfer people from church to church, but there are tons of people, you know, there's over 3 million people in Orange County and about 80%, maybe a little more are not part of a church. They don't really know God. They don't even know that you, they don't, maybe don't even believe that you can know God. And, um, that's the reason we're doing this. So on, along those lines, you, I'm sure you're familiar with centered set, bounded set. Okay. Awesome. (laughs) Shakes his head. No. Um, so a centered set being a bounded set. I'll start with that. Talking volleyball. Yeah, actually. (laughs) Oh, that's bump set. Yeah. You got to watch your dress code if you're doing volleyball at church because you don't want it too scandalous. Yeah. But uh, you bounded set being where th- there's definite outlines of what the church is about and mm. kind of church membership. You, I'm sure there's variances of all natures, right. but got to kind of buy into the the mm. core doctrines of the church and or centered okay. set being more like a watering hole where Christ and 
you know, his work on the cross and mm-hmm. general understanding of the so gospel. So you're talking about like core value, like things that are core to the gospel yes. and things that are like peripheral issues, so, yeah, so matters will, of opinion, yeah, maybe. Yeah. yeah, and I know there's a lot you could do with that. The What's a matter of opinion and what, what qualifies as an essential? Yeah. That's also w- way debatable, but that's right. that's really not the point. But so making a church for the people that don't have church, mm. it sounds like you're going more for... It doesn't matter where you're at in life. Just come. Start by coming. Is that the deal? Yeah. So Sunday morning is um, going to be our front door. And so we want you or anybody out there um, to be able to invite your friend or neighbor. And we want them to walk in and go, wow, you know, this is kind of cool. I kind of like it. I want to come back. Um, Not that we're compromising the message. Uh, You know, we, we definitely want there to be a place for everybody at the table. So we have people who are part of our team who've been Christians for longer than I've been alive. And then we have some new Christians and then hopefully soon we'll have people who are, or have not yet made a commitment to Christ come. And, um, but we are going to do our best to, um, be very mindful of that, you know, whole front door scenario and inviting people. So Sunday morning, is our front door environment and we'll have different environments where you can take people deeper and you're not as concerned about, you know, the visitor per se, but on Sunday mornings, we're going to be very focused on the visitor. Nice. Is that okay with you, Scott? With um, focusing on the visitor? Yeah. So Scott is one of those interesting old timers. (laughs) Scott's an old timer that, that uh, has a focus on getting things right. And I don't think anybody doesn't. But uh, yeah, interesting. So you want to focus on getting things wrong? Yeah, that's that's, that's the, what we're going to try and do. We're gonna, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, that was it. It's just uh, having a place yeah. where people of all stripes. Scott, uh, what I meant to say, you know, let me finish. The Scots of the world are welcome. The Jeffs of the world are welcome. We still don't know what Jeff is, and everything. You know, no matter where you're at in life, is is welcome yeah. to walk in the door, and there's not going to be a. Uh, Oh man, I don't look my best. I don't, I don't know what I think. I don't know who God is. I don't, my friend brought me here and I don't care about God. Like all of that is welcome is the idea. Yeah. The, the whole phrase, maybe it was John Wimber who said it. I don't remember, but come as you are, you know, come as you are, you'll be loved. Is that a serious question? That you're asking me, Zach? No, this is Scott. I I started as a question, but it it was meaning (laughs) that the, the people that, are very concerned about what you believe in doctrine and how yeah. you handle scripture yeah. are going to be welcome as, as long as they're comfortable being around the other people. Cause it's not safe. It's not like quote unquote church safe to have a welcome area for everybody. There are churches mm. that are definitely bounded and it's like, this is what you have to believe to go here and to be involved. So it, what you're doing and we, we go to a church that's similar it is it's not as safe as the bounded set it's mm. it's more risky mm. but mm. as long as everybody knows this is what we're doing we want to bring people to jesus somebody like scott is going to feel good and like listen i don't have to agree with you and i think it maybe it's an expectation thing yeah i'm not i'm not sure why you're I'm like not f- like, uh, um, pretend I said anybody you think at your church that is very concerned about, yeah, doctrine, so why, yeah, so why would it be, somebody that doesn't care? Why would it, that's, and that's where I was going. Why would it be my church? Do you think that 
my church is not open to No, me. it's not about your church. It's about so, the type of people that are going to go oh, to okay. Mike. Okay. okay. To Mike's so I was just getting the yeah. sense, especially when you said anyone at my church. Mike's <laughs> church is going to have people on staff like Scott, and it's going to have people that are like Jeff. Probably who, not. We're going to have people on staff. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Actually, yeah. that's cool. kind of cool. Yeah. So all volunteer. And it is right now. And be Except for me. bounded set and so. people outside the church. But right. yeah. uh, you mentioned Bethel. I don't know much about Bethel. Uh-huh. What I what I think I have heard is um, grave soaking or grave sucking. Have you heard of that? <laughs> and what is your view of people soaking or sucking up the anointing from dead prophets or something? And I believe I think Bethel was involved in that. And somehow, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. There. So one of the things I love about Bethel is they have a huge research and development department, and they're always like experimenting. And and so they never, I don't know, to my knowledge, did Bill Johnson or anyone teach you should go do this. Okay. But they did have some people who were part of their school or something that maybe not authorized, yeah. but they they did it. Um, and you know when you think about um, in Second Kings, you know what? It's not in Second Kings. I just read it recently, but where the guy falls into the grave and touches Elisha's bones and he's brought back to life. You guys remember that story? Yes. Elisha the prophet with the (laughs) S-H, not the J. So anyway, um, the whole um, concept of anointing still being in the bones Mm -hmm. could be biblical, although I've never done it. I'm not encouraging people to do it. Bill Johnson and Bethel, I actually read an article about yeah. questions about Bethel, and that well, the came first, up. I had never even heard of that. The first one that I pulled up is senior pastor Benny Johnson, Bill Johnson's wife of Bethel Church, grave-sucking the anointing at C.S. Lewis's grave. Oh, wow. <laughs> there you go. Like, so if it works, she's going to write some profound books. Yeah. I don't know if Bill Johnson... Uh, no, I've heard uh, teaches him that specifically or, yeah. say we do not teach that. But it's associated with Bethel to some degree. I just didn't know. I didn't know much yeah. about it. I had just heard about it. And just yeah. To so here. we're not going to be a Bethel church. You know, like I have a lot of friends that are at Bethel and um, I love Bethel church. Like it's been a huge blessing to my life. Yeah. Their focus is um, more like going after healing, going after these types of things. All the, that's like their primary focus. And um, I'm trying to build a church that has both, actually, that you can reach people. And that's one of our primary focuses. Like, can I build a church that's going to reach people who don't know Jesus, but at the same time also introduce them to everything that's available? And so uh, there aren't a lot of churches that do both. There are a lot of churches that do one or the other. And I mean, there's some great churches down here, but we're going to try and be a church that does both, that Mm -hmm. reaches people. You can invite your friends and neighbors to, and they aren't going to go, wow, that was weird. I'm never going back, right? We've all visited those. You talked about your experience there. Yeah, for yeah, sure. Yeah, and then, um, but at the same time, we're not going to keep it shallow so that um, you don't introduce them into some of the topics we've talked about here today. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Which, I don't know is your, what's your plan for teaching? Do you, are you, do you plan on going topical mm-hmm. or... Like verse by verse, expository. It's or... a good question. And you mentioned that sermon in Luke. We went through Luke for two years at Heritage. <laughs> wow. And so um, we are the way, going... The way it was referenced, I got that 
like there wasn't another book in the Bible. (laughs) It was like, we are just going through this. So we're on chapter five. I'm like, in what? Chapter five in Luke, man. It didn't. Yeah, you knew. We're so much. It took me almost a year to go through Colossians in my young adult study. God, Scott, you're such a bragger. We've only missed like six or seven weeks. So I love going through the Bible, you know, word for word, but we're not going to do that style um, because we're trying to be, you know, uh, Andy Stanley said this, he said, all scripture is equally inspired. And I I believe that, but not not all scripture is equally applicable. (laughs) And so um, I agree with that too. It's like some passages you're like, Okay, just keep reading, you know. Uh, <laughs> Nothing to see here. Move along. <laughs> yeah, and I'm sure there's something if you dig deep enough. Right, for sure. But So we're going to do series um, that are based around topics, but we will teach chunks of Scripture at the same time. Like I like to um, exegete a passage and bring the point out rather than forcing my point on the passage. Of course, everybody wants to do that, uh, bring the point out of the text. But, you know, for example, so on the first Sunday, we're going to talk about who we are as a church and kind of vision. But then the next week, we're starting a series on hope because people really need hope. Like your friends, me, I need hope, right? It's such an important thing. Faith, hope, and love. The greatest of these is love. So we're starting with hope. Maybe eventually we'll get to love. (laughs) Yeah, end with you build up, yeah. Anyway, there you, you go. Know, so you we're, we're going to do different series. Right, um, love is the closer. So thankfully, that you know, it's been really fun over the last year to be part of this group that I mentioned, ARC, the Association of Related Churches. It's not a denomination, but um, it's a group that is seeing a lot of success all around the country at reaching people through planting churches. And so I get to borrow stuff from, you know, churches all over the country that are doing some really cool things. I call them up and say, hey, can you send me this? And they send it over. Um, It's great. And then vice versa, when they call and say, hey, you know, can you send me, uh, what do you know about insurance? You know, I had a church planter ask me last week, can, you know, who should I talk to? And so we just all share and, and help each other. Yeah, cool. That's awesome. What are... So what are some, do you have an example of something you're going to do starting this church? Mm. Um, is there something that you see that's wrong or wrong is probably harsh? Well, it's not always harsh. Stop caveating. I can hear Scott telling me stop caveating. That's I love what you deal. caveat. Uh, <laughs> what does caveat mean? I have no idea. <laughs> I don't know, but Scott was thinking it. Uh, <laughs> what is something that the church in general in America does wrong or kind of needs to move away from that you would correct with your church, if any. Yeah. So actually, um, I had the chance to think about this question a little bit. Uh, so everything has been unscripted except for this. Yeah. (laughs) So, you know, I mean, obviously, so I'm going to caveat, I guess you're, you're allowed to, I'm (laughs) just saying, um, lightning bolts will come through the house. So obviously, We're not going to be the perfect church, right? There's no perfect church out there. Uh, We're full of imperfect people. And, you know, one of my friends, actually, who does ministry in a lot of churches, um, she said, it's like 31 flavors, right? There's all these different flavors, and God loves them all, right? And so I think each church has its strength. Each church has its calling, like, I love Bethel Church, 
but we're not going to be Bethel Church. I love Saddleback Church, but we're not going to be a Saddleback Church. They both have their strengths and their weaknesses. You can't be everything. Some have more flavors than others. <laughs> right. Absolutely. So uh, how's that for like a political answer? It's <laughs> pretty political. Anything. Um, but as I mentioned, we're going to focus on trying to reach people and take people deeper. You know, it's like my two-handed thing. We're going to reach people. We're going to help people connect with God on a deeper level. And so um, I think if I was going to correct one thing that churches do is sometimes being part of a church as long as I have now. We get caught up in a bunch of um, non-essential programs and um, events that are not focused on the mission. And so I'm like super mission-minded, very focused, and um, trying to stay focused and simple. You know, there's a book called Simple Church, which I really love. It talks about being focused and um, everything you do pointing in that direction that you're focused. So we're going to try and, and stay focused and not be so scattered. Uh, Roger and I used to talk about um, the example of pouring sidewalks to show the love of Jesus. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's like, hey, we're going to go put a new sidewalk on this street just to tell everyone. And, and maybe some church has done that and it's been great. But man, that's a, a lot of work um, to quietly be a humble, I, I just, we're not going to do that. We're not going to pour, you know, we're going to love people. We're going to try and reach people. Um, but we're not going to do the pouring sidewalks kind of thing. Does that make sense? I think so. Like, I don't, I don't, uh, it's I mean, a tough question. Really? A a, I mean, <clears throat> you know, obviously another thing, I think that sometimes the, the church big C um, gets really religious in the negative sense of the word. Like there's a positive sense of, of being religious, but the negative sense of the word would be, you know, critical, um, you know, with a pharisaical type attitude and, um, we're going to do our best to not, not be that way. So that when people do come in who don't know Jesus, that, um, they feel loved. And you're not thinking, why are they, why didn't they get fixed when they came in here? Yeah. <laughs> are you kidding me? Look at what they're wearing. No, we don't want to do any of that. So, so no dress codes then. You know, there probably is a dress code when you get down to it. <laughs> I, a guy that I know got a job at a church. He's actually in South Africa, and they asked. He asked the dress code. They said no dress code. So the next day, he showed up in a speedo, and that's it. Just he, a speedo. He's a troll in the <laughs> office all day. Now he's a young guy, and he was in good shape, so he could pull it off. You don't of want to see me in a speedo. But um, so there is probably a dress code, but it's above a speedo. Yeah, we'll, we'll put it that. <laughs> Hillside Church, we're just above a speedo. <laughs> <laughs> you, you know, there was a few things you guys were talking about, and and it, you were kind of reminding me, just a couple of days ago I was prompted to ask my children at the dinner table and my wife, um, when, is it, when is it important to be right? Mm. And, and when is it okay not to be right? Mm. Or when is it okay to just let... Someone let go, let it go. And even, even when you know they're wrong right. and, and I have like five or six questions. I think my wife thinks I'm nuts. And she's like, where did this come from? And I'm like, I, I don't know. I was just, 
I got done with running and I'm like, this just came to me. And so now I have five lined pieces of paper up against our cabinets in our kitchen with these questions. I'm like, would you encourage the kids to answer these questions? I got like a four-year-old and a <laughs> seven-year-old. But the nine and 11-year-old, I'm like, there's got to be some some thoughts. I don't know what they've written so far, but it just makes me think about... Um, you know, we don't have to be, people don't have to be right when they walk in the church doors. In fact, nobody's right when they walk mm-hmm. in the church doors. And in you know, our church, we're, we're going towards Christ. That's good. And, and so just to be there. Yeah, as far as I know, there's only one person that's ever been right <laughs> yes. all the time, right? So none of us are, are perfectly right. But, um, you know, this is, it's kind of interesting, the concept of letting things go. And so... Um, I mentioned for years I was in sales. So my dad was a roofing contractor and I grew up in the roofing industry. And so then I was in sales with, um, with contractors and, um, you know, contractors, there's a a wide variety of them. Um, but you know, I was in relationships with these guys for a long time and some of them may even listen to this podcast. Um, and we were genuinely friends. Um, so my goal was not to, lead them into a life of morality so that they conform to a certain moral standard. But my goal was to share Jesus with them. And, you know, eventually if someone comes to Jesus, the morality comes later, right? Uh, We let Jesus sort that out. But um, really we need to love, I mean, you know, Jesus was the friend of sinners. And so obviously he's way ahead of us in that. Um, you know, everybody would invite Jesus to their party. Um, and how many Christians often don't get invited to the party because of their attitude. That's so good. <laughs> that is good. Well, Hillside, it's coming. Scott, go ahead. I just want to say, when's the part where we argue? Um, yeah, this was very argument free. Did we throw out something argumentative, you know, in times or? <laughs> well, I was, okay, so. What, um, wow, you're going to go there. So the the healing part might be a factor where if people knew that, they might not go. Sure. What else do you think uh, that you, maybe that you feel strongly about um, that's not bounded set or I don't know what the heck Zach was talking about. Um, <laughs> Got it. Uh, like a peripheral issue right, that you feel strongly opinion. about that you think might, uh, might cause people to not go, but you can't avoid it. So in general, um, the only people that really care about like these types of things are Christians or people who are already religious in some sort. So when you're talking to a neighbor who, um, doesn't know Jesus, they're like, of course God heals people, you know? Um, <laughs> right. and so, right. um, it's only people that have been taught like, okay, none of these things are for today that, and, and so that would probably be, um, the most controversial, I think that's um, your buddy MacArthur. <laughs> <laughs> Who's that? Grace. So <laughs> even, even just being willing to say, Hey, I love Bethel church. That's controversial right there. I right. mean, they get a lot of, um, uh, controversy, but man, God has blessed me so much for them. And they're, they're, you know, they're not perfect, but they're getting so many things right. But, you know, as far as, um, believing that everything that happened in the book of acts is still available and happening today. Yeah. That's controversial. 
amongst Christians. And then when people see it happen, they're just like, wow, that was amazing. I'm going to tell my neighbors and they're going to come. So, yeah. Did, did Jesus, did Jesus raise Lazarus from the grave? Oh yeah. It says it right there. Can he heal someone's back pain? I I don't I don't know. Right, right. <laughs> yeah. Did your back receive it? Did you no, receive it? Still hurts. Oh, okay. <laughs> you, you could yeah, lack. And, you could lack. You know, faith, it's so Scott. funny. Like I, some people with their faith, they try and go so far they like they pretend that they're better when they're not, <laughs> and so consistently we'll say, you know, we're not asking you to pretend. Like, are you better? Oh, yes, I'm better. I believe I'm better. No, no, like, really, is the pain still there or is it not? (laughs) Actually, it's still there. (laughs) I like that. If people are in the uh, greater South Orange County area, where can they get involved or find you guys? So the best place to find out everything is on the website at hillsideoc.org. And starting January 15th, we'll be at J. Sarah High School right off Junipero Sarah Road. What time? 10 a.m. Sunday mornings in San Juan Capistrano. That's right on the side of the hills, right? Capistrano. Right next to the hills. It's amazing. Well, thank you, Mike. Yeah, thanks a lot for coming hey, Thanks out. for having me. He didn't know me at all. This is pretty me cool. to your podcast. Yeah. I'm like, anything to tell people we're starting a church, please come. <laughs> it was nice. totally, totally God. Jeff, uh, 100%. 100% for you, Scott. Unless you don't believe in that kind of stuff. From from what Jeff described, it sounds like it. Yeah. What percentage? Give me a percent. No, last time you did this, you didn't let me caveat what you're saying, and then you jump on me later. We're 99% confident. That's so a good no, I'm not going to answer it. What? Give me a percentage, just for fun. 99. 99. Okay, all right. So you're a doubter. I'm going to go 66. <laughs> really? <laughs> you want to have a decimal in there? I just like that. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> There's a bigger conversation behind 61, that. 61.6. I'm going to give it like 80, 80, 20. All right. <laughs> I like it. The guy that's actually involved with it is less than you, Jeff. Jeff, you're so optimistic. I love it. Uh, it's, it's a shame you're not rubbing off on me. <laughs> Mike, I love that you're living the good life and you're going to do it through Hillside. Just bless that church. You guys are uh, going to do great things. Thanks, man. Thanks for having me, guys. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Thanks for coming.